Welcome to Casting Nets Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Harley. I'm here with the bald, the beautiful, and the cantankerous Don Winsberger. He just got back from uh, some um, some trips out to Colorado here where, where you know, it is legal to smoke some things that are, are not legal anywhere else in the United States, except for a couple of backward states. And uh, I, I don't think he participated in that, but I can tell he had to deal with them. And, and that is what has made him very cantankerous today. Um, actually, no, actually, I was partaking of the Rocky Mountain bourbon, but that's a whole other story. So, so it was not Rocky Mountain High; it was Rocky no, Mountain bourbon. It was Rocky Mountain bourbon. Very good, very good. They got quite a few bourbon distilleries out there. That's interesting to note. Well, you know what? Um, any place that has distilleries has something good for it. Um, it's it's the it's the other thing that I they put into law that I question. But as we gather today, um, you probably have not heard from us in a little bit um, with Don and I, and that is because uh, Don has been uh, busy doing the work of the church, and uh, um, that's okay. And we've had an opportunity now to get back to things, finish up Daniel, which is, I think, on our agenda for, for today, and then maybe plot a course as to where we might be going in the next couple of weeks, and, and then looking ahead to in the summer— start tackling uh, another well-known um, book that people are uh, uh, always misusing, and that is the book of Revelation, which won't be until later this summer, uh, but something for us to look forward to. Also something to look forward to is we are in the works to uh, uh, get another uh, host on our show to help us uh, unravel the the wonderful words of God uh, for us and and hopefully keep us more focused. I just want to say this up front. If we add another Wells pastor into the mix and the IQ level automatically goes down again. And so that's <laughs> I don't know all if you I'm can saying. get lower than zero. <laughs> but we'll 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 attempt to get lower than zero. We'll see how that goes. You know, as long as I'm on a roll here too with what we're going to be delving into, I just was reminded of the phrase from Daniel, the abomination that causes desolation. And contrary to my popular belief, that does not that does not live southwest of Winter and Cologne. And so I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> we have had some issues. <laughs> As we we'll gather, just leave it at that. We're going to we'll leave, leave it at that. that. So, dear listener, as we have an opportunity to gather today, um, we are going to be looking at the last portions of Daniel chapter 11, starting at verse 36, going through Daniel chapter 12, and finishing off the entirety of the book of Daniel. If you have not had an opportunity to listen to all the the, the nonsense that we have put out on the book of Daniel before, um, please take a moment and go back and refresh yourself. They're only an hour of your life each episode that you'll never get back. And so um, I, I'm hoping that you will go and do that, and then you can come and say, I would like a refund. Uh, to which um, I will uh, 
direct your attention to one greater than I who who is the master of life, and maybe he'll add a couple of hours to the, your, your dying day at the very end of all time. But until then, realize that everything we say are just our opinions. Uh, we do uphold the confessions, the scriptures, uh, and we are uh, hold the the doctrine of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, but the opinions that we share are our own, and they do not reflect necessarily the opinions of the Wells or of our called church bodies. And so if you do have something you'd like to discuss, or if you are um, displeased with something that we say, you can reach out to us in our congregations. You can email us at uh, castingnetspod at gmail.com, or you can uh, reach, you could even reach me. Here's my personal uh, email. If you want to reach me, you can reach me at pastor at stjohnmaribel.com as, as well. Um, if you want to to send an email over and gripe about Don. Yes. And anybody, you can look up uh, Zion Lutheran Church's phone number in the synodical directory, and I will give you Pastor Harley's personal cell phone number. There you go. So you have many opportunities and ways to reach out to us. Um, and and really, we are only taking gripes about Pastor Winsberger at this time. So the, the phone is open. The email is open. And uh, as you prepare that email, wondering what kind of nonsense we are going to get into today, let's have some intro music and jump into the text. If that music doesn't scream West River, nothing does. <laughs> well, it's supposed to scream something, and West River is a good thing to scream. Um, that's a nice place to be. As we, we gather here, we're, we start off our conversation kind of where we left it off, um, and that was some weeks ago for us, uh, so we'll have to really rejog our, our memory. But but the, the heading in the EHV probably really gives us a, a, a good idea of where we're going um, it says the Antichrist and the time of the end is is what the EHV kind of gives us as a heading. Now, remember, those headings are not biblical in the sense that they're in the, the actual text itself. Um, those are the headings that, that the translators give to us so that we don't get lost within the weeds and wonder where are we and, and what the heck is it that we're talking about. Um, and so we, we sort of get a little bit of a focus. Um, Antichrist maybe be something that we, we want to uh, share with our listeners and, and sort of give them a brief definition of what does it mean to be Antichrist? Literally, I mean, you just parse that word out just in the English, and it's the same way in the, in the, in the Greek. Um, it's against Christ. Anything that is against Christ, his message, his person, um, and so forth. Um, scripture talks about when you we look in the New Testament and and take things at a, as a whole. Scripture talks about, in fact, it says there are many antichrists. And and again, one would agree with that. This we are not talking about just we are not talking about many antichrists today or any antichrist. We are talking about one. Scripture does talk about the 
Antichrist. Uh, seems to talk about at times one that's in particular. The Apostle Paul calls him, uh, um, not only talks about the Antichrist, but gives him a term called the man of lawlessness. Um, and uh, when scripture talks about that man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, uh, we're not talking about somebody who is uh, uh, that's set up in politics, which many uh, evangelical Christians like to like to try, always try to go after. Paul tells us that this man, uh, that this that this figure sets himself up in God's temple. This is a religious figure and actually sets himself up inside the church. Well, and and I think if we were gonna, which we do, um, if we were gonna follow Lutheran doctrine and and look at um, <clears throat> what it is that Lutheranism has has pointed to and said as we look at the the prophecies of the Antichrist, we would say uh, we would stand with the the Lutheran theologians and say it is the office of the papacy um, that seems to be. Um, the the at least as a, as we can see it right now, the clearest indication of this type of behavior going on. Now, if you're listening and you're thinking, did he just say the papacy? I'm not saying the pope himself. I'm saying the office of the papacy, um, the office that the the pope holds. Um, it seems to set itself up as being this um, position of the antichrist. Now in Daniel. Chapter 11, verse 36, it, it, we have this shift because Daniel had just been finishing talking about Antiochus, right? Um, we had talked about that some weeks ago, Antiochus IV, where, where you know Antiochus is doing all these horrible things. But we have a switch which seems to, to broaden the work of Antiochus and lead more towards the future and is now leaning more towards what's going to happen in, in the great distance. And we start to see some things um, that, that Antiochus didn't do. So we know we've moved away from Antiochus. Now we're talking about a, a different figure altogether. Um, he, he noticed the very first things he does is he exalts himself, magnifies himself, right, over every everybody, every god. He um, speaks amazing things against the god of gods. Um, so in other words, he he speaks out against the very word of the Lord. Um, so again, like you were saying, Don, he, he seems to be placing himself into this position of um, deity or in the position of of the the highest pontiff of religious leaders. Um, it it's interesting to note that as we look in Daniel, and actually we're. Again, we we kind of talked about last time we were together that Antiochus is uh, really a prefiguring of uh, of the modern day Antichrist, and actually was an Antichrist in his day. And uh, uh, when you look at just the mayhem, the carnage, uh, uh, carnage, both physical, spiritual, and mental, that Antiochus. Uh, raged um, that, and, and I'm talking about Antiochus Epiphanes um, that he raged. It's it's really interesting to to note and make and actually make some maybe some mental comparisons to that carnage that the, that the Antichrist has caused in the course of New Testament history as well. 
Well, and they're very similar in 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 the carnage. And Daniel actually does list some of those things, right? He lists yeah. he lists how they um um <clears throat> what is it? One of the areas here, just in the text, if I can find it, um, he he destroys marriage. Um, yeah, right here. Um, in, in verse what 37, he also will not favor the desire of women or any, or any God. Um, so you have the, 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 the destruction of this marriage bond, um, where it's downplayed and, and not favored as a good and God pleasing thing, um, because he exalts himself, right? Um, you, you see, uh, uh, more so over and over and over, he, he does not favor, um, any type of faith that that references God over over Himself, um, and so He sets Himself up as this is part of destruction, and He's going to do some horrible things, um, leading to to helping leading people astray, rewarding them for their their faith in Him as opposed to faith in in uh, uh, in the Lord, and and I think we see some of that throughout history. Um, again, if we're going to equate this to the um, papacy. We have seen the papacy do this in Middle Ages, have we not? Um, when a, a secular leader didn't agree with the papacy, um, the papacy would excommunicate them and remove their secular authority. Um, and execute them. And execute them. Or we had uh, in the Holy Roman Empire, um, where the, the, the king was, the, the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire was crowned by the papacy, you know that that there was this linking there that that the power flowed through, kind of the papacy in this regard, um, even in our own nation, right? Um, JFK, when when he was as uh, elected as president many many years ago, uh, one of the biggest things that people worried about, right, was the influence of the Catholic Church, because he was devoutly Catholic, um, and and they worried about the influence that the Pope would have. In, in the day-to-day workings of, of the president um, because of that political influence that he practiced. I'm trying to remember uh, the legacy, well, not the legacy, but the name of the particular pope that one of probably one of the most disruptive times in the history of the church was when he, he declared the mass divorce of married priests in uh in the in the Catholic Church and how all I mean you had multiple multiple families that were split torn apart um, scarred um, because of that proclamation once the once the Catholic Church um, stood up and said that uh, that uh, a celibate lifestyle was closer to God than one. Um, than than one than than a married one, completely ignoring God's word, which says it's not good for the man or the woman to be alone. Right, right. Um, and, and I I was gonna see if uh, um, if I could quickly find out if there's something online about it, and I'd have to look through it here to see if there when were, we were was a when I was in seminary, I remember Professor Balgi talking about this as we were going through church history. And uh, uh, remember, remembering him opining, so to speak, on uh, on just the the tremendous collateral damage that that did that that did to 
hundred, uh, hundreds, if not thousands of families. Well, yeah. And, and, and again, you had, you had, you know, well, in the papacy itself, you have, um, the edicts of the Pope, right. Are, are spoken and, and, um, what is it? Ex cathedra, uh, out of, out of his, his office. And it's, it is treated as if it was scripture. Um, you know, I, one of the things that I always found was amazing, and and it's mentioned here even in Daniel that that you see that his God is is stuff, the materials um, that he surrounds himself with. Um, you notice that is predominantly a huge thing: the 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 pomp and circumstance, the the jewels, the the material things of that are surrounded by this 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 position of the Antichrist that they care more about the money and the stuff. Let us let us remind our hearers here again, because after decades of experience as a Lutheran pastor, um, I know where people's minds start to go as we get into detail about these things. Pastor Harley and I, nor the Wisconsin Synod, are saying that there are no believers in the in the Catholic Church. There are believers. Scripture tells us that wherever the means of grace um, is proclaimed. Even amidst error, you will still find Christians. Our issue is not with believers within the Catholic Church. Our issue is with the institution in the hierarchy that does its absolute utmost to point people away from Christ. And I would even go so far as to say that that there are popes, and there have been popes, who have been Christian. Yes. And that we will see them in heaven. Um, I mean, I would stand with Luther and as as he talked to his Zwingli and said, I would rather take communion um, with the Pope than, than take communion with, with Zwingli, who de- denied the real presence of Christ. Um, so, I mean, there is there is definitely—we're we're not saying that, that the Pope himself is not Christian. What we're saying is the office, like you were saying, they, the office that has— that, that, that the person sits in that has now become the thing that is surrounding this individual seems to have all the earmarks of the Antichrist and 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 what is described throughout Scripture, not just in Daniel, but also in the New Testament, about what this, the Antichrist will do. We, meant, we may have mentioned this in, in our last podcast. Um, some popes, not all of them, but um, again, this, I'm not not placing a judgment on on these popes' faith, um, just judging their words. Uh, the current pope, the pope Pope Benedict, uh, Pope Francis, Pope Benedict, Pope John Paul the First, Pope John Paul the Second, Pope Paul, um, and this is just my recent memory. Every pope in my lifetime, and I'm going to be 59 years old next month. Every pope in my lifetime has made this statement. It doesn't matter whether you're Catholic, Jew, Muslim, Hindu, or Buddhist. If you are, if, if you are sincere, you will get to heaven. Every single one of those popes has reiterated that. Clearly contradicting the words of Jesus I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is as antichrist as you can get. 
Yes. And, 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 and to double down on it numerous times. Yes. Is, is exactly right. Once again, I'm not saying where these popes are eternally or where the living ones are going to go eternally. God, Jesus is their judge. The statements that have come out of state, many statements that have come out of their mouths are anti-Christ. Right. And, and again, and, and again, going back to that definition, antichrist means standing against Christ, um, standing against what he believes or what he shares, what he has done and, and what he continues to do for his church um, and standing against that. Well, you know what? It, it becomes really depressing when you when you really come to the end of uh, Daniel because you go from Antiochus, right, and you go into the the, the Antichrist and, and the nonsense that will be coming and the persecution that will be coming uh, towards God's people. Um, but we are given a little bit of of uh, reprieve, I would say, and in in saying in the very last verses of eleven where. Uh, the Lord shares with Daniel, he will pitch his royal tents between the seas toward the beautiful holy mountain, yet he will come to his end and there will be no one to help him. Um, and I think we get some hope there coming uh, where he will roar, he will rant, he will uh, rave, he will attempt to take over, he will attempt to do his worst, um, but in the end, uh, the Lord will win and be victorious. Remember, and you know what, I... You know, as you speak those words, you can almost hear uh, a sense of comfort um, and joy and maybe even strength in Daniel's words here. Because remember when we were together last time, too, and what this vision did to Daniel physically. Oh, it drained him. It drained him. I mean, he was pale and fell to the ground. And this is something that we have to, and this is one of the things that I want us to carry out, all of us, to carry out of our discussion um, of Daniel. I have my churches out here now. We've just begun our study of the book of Daniel. Um, the one, This is one of a few, th- many things, but one of a few particular things I want to take out myself and for our listeners to take out is all of this stuff that's going on, the victory is won. Um, and that's what really we're talking about in chapter 12, the one who brings the victory, the one who gains the victory. Yeah. But, you know, it's and, and that's a hard um, that's a hard concept for us to wrap our head around because mankind really deals with the now. Right. Um, every now and then you'll you'll get some people who have have long missions and they'll have uh, futuristic looks of I'm what am I going to do five years from now, ten years from now, maybe twenty years from now. But I mean, what we really are seeing here in the last pages of Daniel is the long game. That's not five, ten, fifteen years from now. I mean, this is an indefinite period from now. And that's part of, and that's part of the issue. Um, we look at what's going on in our own nation right now. Um, many evangelical Christians, uh, a lot of them are, are screaming rapture, 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 end of the world, antichrist this, antichrist that. Um, they're basically losing their waste matter. I'm going to put that in a nice way. 
Um, and it's all be and, and usually when you find that when when you get people that get so focused on this, they are focused on the here and now and not in the long game. And that is where the insanity, the false doctrine, the fear, um, the uncertainty and, and the despair all start to run rampant. And that's the reason it does. I'm glad you brought that up. Well, and I think you see that in Daniel, because I think what you're seeing and what we're going to see <clears throat> um, for Daniel is and he's afraid because he sees these bad things happening. And the Lord never says, don't be afraid these bad things aren't going to happen. He says, no, they are going to happen, but take hope because it's not going to be forever. And take hope, I am, I win. Uh, take hope, I am, I'm going to bring those who are found in me to victory. Um, and I think there is, um, we just studied it in confirmation this morning with the with the kids, and it, it's probably something we could say here now. You know, when we ask that the that God's will would be done in the Lord's prayer, um, we're asking that God God's will for the world and for us would be done. And sometimes God's will, most oftentimes God's will, is that we are brought back to repentance in Him. And then brought back and lifted up in faith. Well, to be brought to repentance is not a pleasant thing. I, I don't know of anybody who enjoys being brought to repentance, to being brought to their knees in the recognition that they are weak and can do nothing. And yet that is part of God's will and God's purpose, it is that he would bring us to repentance and and faith. He who exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. Exactly. So, um, so should this surprise us that that you know God is not going to alleviate the hurt, not alleviate the strain? You know, uh, a little bit, and I don't, I don't think my daughter listens to our podcast, but just in case she ever gets she ever gets bored enough and does listen to this, and offer a word of apology. One of the things is this stuff started going down. You know, I can, you know, kind of. My daughter tend. And actually, as she's getting older, she's becoming less and less snowflake, and I rejoice. She's actually been listening to to her grandfather and to me a little bit. And well, I some can see of her grandfather. I can see her listening to her grandfather, but yes, you, I question. She should listen to her grandfather. She should listen to her grandfather, not to me. But anyway, as I as I was kind of trying to deal with some of her snowflake tendencies, what I did was I made her read uh Orwell's 1984 an animal farm I just wanted her to see that that you know uh, you know and, and anyway long story short I have found out today with our evangelical counterparts in the Christian church they instead of reading scripture are reading Orwell's 1984 an animal farm and coming unglued what's wrong with that picture and now I have apologized to my daughter and said, okay, now you have that picture. Now you need to go to the four gospels and sit there and read about the comfort that Jesus brings and then in control, read the last chapters of the gospels and judgment day and see who's in charge. Right. And, and I think that's where the, that's, that's, and, and, and that's the hope and comfort is that, yeah, it's all going to look like it's unraveling. Everything is going to look like it's just coming apart at the seams. But, but, God is in control. 
yes. Christ is the victor. Um, you know, when and, and, and how beautiful is that? We, we just celebrated it, right? Um, we, we celebration of, of Good Friday with the very words, it is finished, it is complete, it is done, and, and the proclamation of an empty tomb and, and peace that is with us, uh, peace that surpasses the fear. You, you know, you go back to the open tomb on, on the very first night of that, of that week, um, and they were, they were locked away in fear. And I love how that, how, 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 John plays off of that especially. He says they that, that first night they were locked away because of fear of the Jews, fear of, of everything going on. And he appears to them and he says, peace be with you. And then the next week they're together behind locked doors, but notice the word is gone. There's no fear. Yep. Guess what? The world hadn't changed. But but notice but notice the message of peace still comes. Absolutely. But the world still hadn't changed. Yep. I mean, things were still yep. falling apart. Keep that in mind, and, and this is this is the perfect lead-in to chapter 12. This really is. Well, then this let's take the, us there. And uh, I'm just going to uh, – uh, this, this, for me, this is an, one of the most intriguing parts of the book of Daniel. Um, just And I'm going to read it to you out of the ESV just because I happen to have my Lutheran study Bible open in front of me, which you can find and purchase at Concordia Publishing House. It is a fine Lutheran study Bible if you're looking for something. Um, hopefully here by the end of the year when the new hymnal comes out in the wells, we will also have a print edition of the Evangelical Heritage Version study Bible in print. Um, I'll plug that too. But anyway, listen closely. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run true and fro, and knowledge shall increase. I'm just going to stop there. Maybe let's talk about Michael a little bit. Yeah, let's talk about him because I think there's some conjecture as to who this Michael is. Now, this isn't the first time Daniel has referred to Michael. Um, but uh, uh, the question that we have here is, is this Michael the Archangel, Michael? Or is this uh, Michael synonymous for Messiah um, and, and a Messiah figure? Um, well, let's look at what the name Michael means in, in the Hebrew. Um, it, Michael's name literally translated in the, in the Hebrew is who is who is like God which that can be a declarative statement or a question. Right. And declarative in the sense of of no one is like God, which is, you know, who is like him, like who is embodying that, so there were maybe more of a, a Christological sense. Yep. Or the question, who is like God, looking for the rhetorical answer of no one. Um. And and I think as we're looking at uh, at who this who this being is, uh, there's uh, 
I you find in in Orthodox Christianity and Orthodox Christian circles, you have some you have uh, a couple ways of, of thinking on this. Uh, first of all, I'm going to take you to some non-Christian way of thinking of it. Jehovah's Witnesses who deny the deity of Christ have come up and they say that Jesus is really the reincarnation of the Archangel Michael. Um, they say that Jesus started out as the Archangel Michael, then he took on human flesh. He stopped being the Archangel. He became a perfect human being. When he died, he stopped being a human being and came back in the form of the Archangel Michael. They don't believe Jesus is God. And they bring that statement because they'll look at it, who is like God, one who is like God. And, and that's where they go with. Now, in Orthodox Christian circles, many people look at, they call, and again, sometimes Michael is called an archangel, chief head of all the angels. Um, and uh, um, some view him to be a, a, a created angel. Now, there are some that I have heard over the course of my lifetime in Orthodox Lutheran circles that say this possibly could be Jesus understanding the terms archangel, head of all the angels, which is definitely a term for Jesus, the God, for the God man, and also answering Jesus is one who is like God. He is God. Well, and it also it also adds, and, and what brings an extra flavor to it is the is the term the great prince. Yes. <clears throat> um, which you know, prince is royalty, um, and and it adds another caveat to the discussion because we don't necessarily consider the angels to be royalty. They are they're part of the heavenly host, yep. but they're 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 part of the army of the celestial army. And considering the author Daniel. Um, who actually, we when we started out, how many weeks ago with the beginning of the book, Daniel, we were we were trying to, or we were discussing, was he royal family, son of the king, or just nobility? And th this is very similar ter ter terminology that we were that we found at the beginning of the book of Daniel too, just referring to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Personally, I believe with Daniel, and you don't have to believe this, but in what I've looked at, I lean heavily to that Daniel probably was the son of Jehoiakim. I, I really feel that. I can't prove it 100%, but, and, but I also draw that from looking at this terminology here in chapter 12, dealing with Michael and the archangel. It's, it, it, is, it is so similar. Um, and once again, you and I have always said, if it talks like Christ, if it acts like Christ, if it walks like Christ, guess what? It's probably Christ. And and but I think this is one of those times where you know throughout and and I'll be the first to admit, and I know I know that there are some people listening that um, are going through this Bible study with their own pastor right now. I know um, uh, Pastor Rudot's congregation is going through the Book of Daniel right now. And there is conjecture in the spots where we say we see Christ. We've talked about it in the podcast, and we said I, we, we kind of lean towards this is, and we tried to paint both sides and say it could be, it couldn't be, but but we kind of lean towards Christ because 
naturally as Lutherans, we find Christ in all of the Old Testament as God, as Jesus says, I am in all of the Old Testament. Um, you know, the, the, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms speak of me. Every and actually, there's a good podcast on fifteen seventeen right now about that statement of Jesus, and um, why you know. And once again, everything that was written about me in the law, in the prophet, in the Psalms—that's really a deep statement there. Oh, it is, and but it, but if that's true, which it is, because Christ spoke it, then then he is present. And it's about, and he's there in all of the pages of the Old Testament. So is it wrong to find him here? Is it wrong to, to, to try to see him here? Um, and, and I don't think it is. So, so dear listener, you know, as you approach this, I'm not, I'm not going to say right or wrong, believe what we believe or, or whatever, but be part of the conversation, right? Be part of the conversation to say, who is this guy? And, and, and how does he function? And notice what he does. He stands over over the people. And and really, this is a reference to Daniel saying, your people. In other words, he's standing over believers. Um, Look at, you know, we, we also hear about Michael, we, it, Scripture talks about him in Revelation, where we actually hear about how the Eve, Satan and the evil angels came about, and there was war in heaven. Michael and the good angels warred against Satan and the evil angels, and um, and 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 good and good one out. I'm paraphrasing here. Now look at it. this is my thought, and I'm willing to be corrected on this. But when you think about it, angelic be is God going to is God going to leave angelic beings to see to to the leave the fate of mankind and good and evil in the in the hands of angelic beings, I look at it this way, as he does in all of his dealings with us, he takes the lead. Well, wasn't it Jesus himself who said, I saw Satan fall from heaven? Yes. So yes. wouldn't wouldn't that also add to the mix? When it when it comes to, when it comes to the forces of good against against evil in scripture, who is always the one leading the charge? It's not a human being. It's not an angel. It is God. Well, and, and when we get into the conversation of Revelation, which we will um, within this coming year, we get into the conversation of, of the book of Revelation, we see Christ coming upon the clouds with the white-robed martyrs behind him. None, no one else is bearing the sword except for him. Um, he takes the field, right? Um, oh, and, I love, and again, thank you for that. The one who wields the sword of the Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, the the one who stands over his people. Um, well, you know, let's just let's just bring in let's just bring in all of the the cases. You know, uh, how many times does the scriptures allude to to that he would be lifted up over his people like a banner? Um, that he's you know the, the the there upon the cross lifted up over his people. How many times throughout throughout Christendom do we hear being under the shadow of the cross, uh, being brought into the body of Christ where he is our head standing over us uh, we are we are his body um this, just the 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 construction of the sentence the construction that we're presented with presents such a powerful picture of what I believe more than an archangel leaning towards this is this is the Messiah this is Christ and than anything and else the term Archangel 
um, does not necessarily mean having the essence of an angel. It literally means head of the angels. Right. But in this case, we're not even given archangel. We're given great prince. Yes. Um, so, I mean, it's a completely different yep. term used. Um, and, and so it, it should bring up a, a, maybe a different picture. Well, and, and like I say, and I think just that shift in terminology here in the book itself from archangel to prince, I think that when I, I personally feel that that lends to a wider understanding of that term archangel. Right, right. And I would agree. And I agree. So what happens is, is that that um, he's there and, and there's this great outcry against God's people, um, uh, against believers. And you read it so beautifully. Um, and and I think it's it, it, it needs to be talked about is just when evil looks like it's gaining the upper hand, evil looks like it's going to win, evil looks like there's no turning back and everything is going to pot, what happens? God's people are delivered, right? Uh, and we have a couple of times where where God, uh, the Spirit, through Daniel, refers to your people. Daniel, Daniel's reference to the believers, not just not just the people of Israel, your people, those who are found in faith. And and he references it twice in this section already. And, and he says they're going to be delivered, but then he qualifies it in case you wonder who your people truly is who who that statement is referring to he says everyone found written in the book uh so now we go back to we we go back to and we're i know you're looking around right now dear listener you can't see him looking around but he's looking for his uh yep exactly he's looking for the church registry to see you know if that's the book of life that he's referencing it's not the book of life it's not dripping wet with the blood of christ i'm sorry to say um, because the book of life drips with the blood of Christ. And and it's not, okay, do I have my membership at this church or that church? It is those whose names have been written by the blood of Christ. Um, they are written in this book of life. And those are the ones who are delivered. Now, we get something interesting here, which which I think some of our, some of our, our Christians uh, maybe misunderstand. And, and that is, um, we have a, a connection now to the resurrection to life. And what I love about preaching and teaching the resurrection is that the resurrection to life is not just for the believer. It's for the unbeliever. And, and one of the things I try to tell, tell my members, and, and, and maybe we can discuss it just a little bit very, very briefly, is, is I tell them, I said, you know, when we, when we rise from the dead and at the last day, our bodies are going to be perfected for eternity. That means they're ready for, for eternity. But guess what? The bodies that are raised that are going to go to hell are also perfected for eternity. And that is something that's interesting for us to, 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 to understand. We, we often think that perfection means, oh, I'm perfect, so I'm, I'm good. No, I'm saying perfected for eternity. It means the body's not going to wear out. It's going to perpetuate for eternity. But in this state, in a it be in a perpetual state of decay. It's still going to last forever. Yeah, that's yes, th- yeah. that's what I'm saying, yeah. and and that's the that's the it's it's awesome for those who are found in heaven, because they're going to be in this state of perpetual. I this is great, not so good for for the ones that are in hell, where it's this perpetual state of of sorrow, and and it never it never goes away. Sure. 
where their their worm will not die. Yeah. And I think sometimes we forget that um, in in our, when we talk about the resurrection, you know, the resurrection is not just for the believer. It is for the unbeliever, and they're both going to be prepared for a state of eternity. Just one will be in a state of bliss, eternity, and joy, and happiness, and life with Christ. The other in the very bowels of hell. So the Jehovah's Witness teaching about uh, uh, the teaching of annihilation— is not true? No, absolutely not. And I, and I think this is this and, and this is one of those things where where when we teach the resurrection, you know, we have to be very very clear and say the resurrection is 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 for all people. The resurrection is for all people. Um but not all people are going to enjoy it. And I and I think that's the point. Um you know, the resurrection is a joyous thing for believers. It is a very very hard thing for unbelievers. And they will not have glorified bodies. They will, I mean, but in this way, I look at it this way. I I get up in the morning, my bones creak. Um, the arthritis, you know, it takes a while for the joints to to loosen up um, and stuff. When I get to, when I get to heaven, that that's not that's not going to be an issue, but it's still going to be a major issue for people in hell. M- multiplied much worse than it even is here. Well, you know, if we go by Daniel, and and I think you'd have to look at the totality of Scripture and, and recognize what is it that that Christ says about about hell. But if you go by Daniel, I mean, Daniel is not really tackling at all the physical aspect of hell. He's he's attacking the and and really highlighting the emotional aspect of it, shame and contempt. I I, I think that's worse than any physical thing you could suffer. Shame and contempt. And you have, well, you know, what do we teach in confirmation class? That there's physical punishment, spiritual punishment, yep, emotional punishment, yep, um, stuff that uh, that we cannot, and just as we cannot comprehend the joys of heaven, we can't even begin to comprehend the terrors of hell, eternal separation from God. Well, and, and you know. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's something that we have to very quickly highlight as well. Some people have heard that hell is the separation of God. And I I just wanna I want to I wanna clarify something very, very that I think is very important. Hell cannot be a separation from God because God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. So you cannot be separated from him. That and, and that's where I was going to go. You are separated from his grace. You are separated from his goodness. But he is very, very present in all of his wrath. Yes. And that yes. should yes. scare the living crap out of you. Yep. <laughs> Can we say that yep. on, on our podcast? <laughs> well, you, you cleaned it up. But but it, it should. That should scare you because you're not separated from God. I mean, to, to be, I mean... That that almost would be a that almost would be a boon, right? It almost would be a boon to say, "Well, I'm free to do whatever I want because God no longer is going to look at me." No, that that that's not hell. Hell is every gracious moment that God allowed the water to fall from the sky to 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 water the crops or the sun to shine on your gloomy day. Um, those moments are now gone, and all you receive is. Wrath. The wrath of of an of an angry God who gave everything that you rejected in life. 
Yep. And that's hell. Um, and what shame and contempt come with that. Um, this is a this is a beautiful section. Um, he goes from there though, and and he highlights uh, something very interesting. And and maybe we want to explain this before we we hit the very end. Um, he says those who have insight will shine like the brightness of the sky, and those who bring many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. What's he talking about there? Maybe maybe give some insight to our listeners as to to what is he he connecting this really awesome reward to. What do you think? Well, I get my first reaction would be to be it would be it'd be all all of the hosts of heaven which would include angels and saints. That would be my that would be my first logical reaction to that. I think it goes a little bit beyond that though. I mean, you have those that are have insight. So I would I would definitely say those are the people in faith, right? Those who've been brought to faith, they understand the reward, they understand the gift of Christ. But but then he comes down and he says, those who bring many to righteousness. And and I, I maybe it's just because of my mindset, but I I I I really have a hard time not seeing gospel proclaimers in that. That that people who the mother who shares Jesus with her child and brings that child to the font of baptism um, are gonna shine brighter than stars forever. Isn't that the majority of people that are going? I mean, well, you hope. Yes. But but I think how the beauty of uh, how he builds on that term, right? He doesn't just say those who are in faith, but he builds on the term and says, but those who are also proclaiming the gospel in their life and bringing others through the means of grace, um, the one the the people who 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 find the joy in sharing Christ to 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 the one who is in need, uh, the one who brings the children uh, to be baptized and learn at the feet of Christ through Sunday school and 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 coming to church. Thank you for emphasizing that because I was just going to say in my humble experience, and I am clergy, you are clergy, we know each, ourselves really well. In my, in my humble experience, the best proclaimers and most profound and effective proclaimers of the Gospels that I know in my life, the majority of them didn't stand in a pulpit. Oh, and, and actually I would say the, the, the people that influenced my life the most— didn't stand in a pulpit. You know my opinion about most clergy. Um, yeah. And so so most, and which is odd because I am one, but but yeah. I don't like you either, but let's move on. <laughs> the majority, the the majority of the the people who influenced my life were not were not the clergy in my life. I granted I learned a lot at their feet. Don't get me wrong. And and I had wonderful conversations with them. But the, the ones who taught me really what living faith was about were not the clergy, but but the average believer in the pew that that took a, a moment to to share their faith with me and and their walk with me. Um, and that and that could be my mother, you know, it could be my aunts and my uncles. Um, in some cases, it was it was the elders of the church or um, 
my Sunday school teachers, that kind of thing. Um, if you want to learn more about some of the influencers, um, and here's another plug for for uh, a shameless plug, I will will say, is that on Friday, Pastor Rudot has has said that he wants to talk about the uh, influencers uh, in our life. And so on Friday morning, we'll have a podcast that'll be dropping um, where we're talking about the the influences for both our 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 private life as well as our public life um, as pastors. So if you want to learn more about the influencers, come and join us for that discussion later this week. There's going to be a lot of politicians mentioned. (laughs) Oh yes. Great politicians mentioned as, as influencers of what not to do in life. (laughs) And professional athletes too. (laughs) Uh, Yes. It'll be, it'll be very, uh, a, a very good topic for us to discuss. But but yeah, I think that's what you have here. You know, the um, I had one professor of mine um, when I was in 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 school um, used to brew beer, loved brewing beer. That was like his thing. Um, and uh, one of the things he would always say is, is you know, when you get to heaven, um, you know, you're gonna have uh, some people, some people who have really gone out there and they share Jesus and they were they were they were just engaged in every moment of their life. In, in trying to share the gospel in any way that they could, they're going to have a stein, right? They're just going to have this huge cup filled with beer, and every time they take a sip, it just refills itself. And, and then he said, and then there's going to be those other people that, that maybe weren't as outgoing, but they're Christian, and they, they, they believe in their Lord and Savior, and they're going to get to heaven, and they're going to have a shot glass filled with beer. And every time they take that shot, it fills back up with beer, always full, always overflowing. And... Uh, um, you might think they might be sad because one has a stein of beer and the other one has a shot glass of beer, but the point is it's always overflowing, right? Um, no matter which one it is, it's always overflowing. And and I think you have that here in, in Daniel, right? The, those who are in faith, they will shine like the brightness of the sky. And those who share their faith, they're going to be brighter than the stars. I mean, how beautiful is that? Um, they're both going to shine. Do you see that that's something that's very biblical? Uh, you know, uh, uh, I always appreciate Paul as he's talking to Timothy and he reminds him of his mother and grandmother. Um, and that's what I always think of. You know what? My dad was a tremendous spiritual impact me on me as well. But I'll tell you, I, I would not I, I would not be who I am today if it wasn't for my grandmother and mother. Um two of the strongest women of faith. Uh, they are they are the two strongest women of faith, people of faith, either gender, that I have encountered in my life. Um, and, uh, you know, you talk about Sunday school teachers. I think about sainted Mr. Uh, Brunkley, uh, Mr. Lindholm, um, men uh, that love their Lord and God's word and actually in the day and age, in the less, if you want to call, tame or uh, politically cor- <clears throat> correct days of our culture, men, where most men looked at Sunday school and doing that stuff, that's that's women's job. These men took their roles as leaders seriously and came and taught me God's word. Um, and their love for the Lord and, and for his word still has an impact on me today. Yeah. And, and, those, and, and that's what we're talking about. That's what Daniel's talking about here by the Spirit. Um, those who, who impact others with faith in their walk of faith. Um, 
but then but then we we kind of come to the end and uh, um the lord tells him tells him to roll up the scroll and uh, uh we sort of get a glimpse of what happens in uh, a lot of times with john too right more things happen but you can't write them um we're, we're not going to tell you anymore and and he's told to close up the scroll and he's told to pack it away and then we have this um this little epitaph that 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 comes afterwards uh which is is the conclusion to this revelation um and and he's going to look around and uh, he's going to see two others standing there uh one near the bank of the river and the other on the far bank of the river uh probably two angels i i think it's 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 safe to say um and then he says someone said to the man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river. So it looks like there's three there now, right? Am, am I counting right? We have one on one bank, one on the other bank, and one in the middle. And and the question we have now is, who is the one in the middle? Um, again, we are going to have, from the context of the conversation, the possibility that this is Christ, that this is a, this is a, um, a Christophany, um, the appearance of Christ here uh, in the Old Testament. Um, he continues and says, you know, then I heard the man dressed in linen who was above the waters of the river. He raised his right hand and his left hand uh, to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times a half a time, and then when the rejection of the holy people is finished, all these things will be finished. So you have a declaration of, of when it ends. Um, a time and a half a time. They say, uh, so there's there's uh, a times, times a half a time. Uh, so that's three and a half, right? So half of seven, um, which would be a full time of, of sorts. You could talk about the time, but uh, um, maybe who is this man with in, in linen? And the only thing that I would say that gives us a, a, an understanding of who this man uh, dressed in linens is, um, is the words that, that Daniel himself says to him, he as he doesn't understand, he says, Lord, what will be the end result of these things? Um, and that use of Lord, um, I, I think, maybe gives us some indication as to who this man is. You know, when you were reading this, and uh, and again, it just made me think of something from Romans or from Revelation chapter one. Um, maybe even kind of serve as a good transition into our, our next podcast too, because it'll be something we'll be dealing with almost immediately. Maybe my imagination is just running along a, 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 a little bit here, but I, I don't, it might not be. Um, John's vision. Um, then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me and on turning, I saw seven gold lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. Eyes were like a flame of fire, feet like burnished bronze. And then the and his voice was like the roar of many waters. And it's just I I, I just see some I just see Daniel imagery in here from chapter twelve here, just in those words. Uh, uh, you've got the picture of the water. You've got uh, um, in 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 Revelation. You have the picture of uh, of the of the of the of the river. I know I'm not saying this right. The river of life going through and surrounding the throne. Who's in the center? Exactly. 
Well, and and this is the image, and that's what I'm saying. So the question is, who is this man in linen? I think it's a it's it's definitely a Christophany. This is this yeah. is appearance of of Christ. Um, and and I think it's supported by the the things he says, right? Um, the way Daniel references him, um, and and refers to him as Lord, um, but also the things that he says. I mean, listen. I mean, just to the the very words he speaks are are ones of authority. Um, which is Christ speaks as one with authority. He says, uh, go Daniel, because the words are closed up and sealed until the end time. He he puts a kibosh on it and says, I'm not going to tell you. I, I'm not going to translate for you what it means because it's it's closed. And many will be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked will act wickedly. None of the wicked will understand, but those who have insight will understand. How beautiful. And regardless of who it is giving this, uh, who it is giving this message, it is the message of God Himself. Even angels don't give their own opinion on anything or thoughts. It's always directly the Word of God. Right, right, and it has authority, and it yes. and it brings hope and comfort, and and it also can bring um, chastisement to to those who who have sinned. Um, but also, again, what you have here, commanding things. I just happened to notice, and actually this is something that I think is really a good send out on the book, but I'm not sending us out now. Um, one of the things to take home with us, he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Um, and that, uh, I mean, it's, you know, here, go your way. Who else can tell us to go our way except him? Well, and match that, and and I agree with you, but now take that a step further and match it with the very end of the verse, because this is, I think, is the take home, the very end of the verse, but you go on your way to the end and you will rest and rise to your assigned inheritance at the end of the days. And again, doesn't that sound like judgment that the words of Jesus on judgment day? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and this is the promise of Christ. You are getting your inheritance. Who else could promise that except for Christ? Yeah. Um, so I, I personally, like he said, I, I do see Christ a ton in the book of Daniel. Uh, definitely here at the end, I see the promises of Christ um, and the promises of Christ in the working of the means of grace. Think it's just starting out. We started our first Bible study on Sunday, on Daniel on Sunday. And today um, here, uh, here I'm teaching it in three places. We go back right to the book. We go right to the name of Daniel. We were talking about this today. God is my judge. Okay. Once again, I hear those words and we know with the totality of scripture, who is the judge? Who, who sits on the throne on judgment day and parts the sheep from the goats? It's Christ. Who said, come you who have been blessed by my father. It is my judge, Jesus. Oh, yeah. And, and the fact that God himself says, I have given all things under your feet. And, and considering how important these names that were given to Daniel and his three cohorts, all those names holding the very names of God. Um, and again, very often as we see in Scripture, these basically word promises of God being born out in their lives. Ta-da! Right at the end here, aren't we seeing Daniel's 
pr the promise in Daniel's name being borne out here right at the end? Absolutely. Um, and, 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 and not just borne out and saying judgment, but, but the judgment is you will get your inheritance. Yes. Um, and, and the promise is like every believer receives. Well, and, and I'm sorry, but I, I'm, I guess I can't move myself away from thinking about the thief on the cross today. You will be with me in paradise. Oh, there you go. Another one. Which very similar, right? Very similar in proclamation. Today you will be with me in paradise. Go your way to the end. You are going to yes. enter into your inheritance. Um, what a just man. Um, <clears throat> but you know, and 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 this, and, and this is really where through this whole thing, this is where we need to be focused. Um, not saying that the here and now is important, but when we get so rolled up into the here and now. Um, and it, which is really, when you look at it, it's arrogant, it's self-centered, um, it's selfish. It's stuff that so easily feeds the sinful nature. Once we start casting our, our focus heavenward towards the goal, fixing our eyes towards the goal, as Paul tells us to, you know, um, that we keep our eyes straight. If we, if we take our eyes off the goal, we stumble. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that's the message that we're given here from, from Jesus, from Christ, from the judge, and going, go your way. There it is. Keep your eyes fixed on it. Absolutely. Here's the hope and comfort that you have. You don't need anything more. You don't need yes. to know the time, the date, the, the, you know, the hour. What you need to know is I am victorious, and I'm going to come and get my people, and of which you are a part. And and yeah. and and I like how he and and how can you not see the resurrection in those final words? Go your way to the end. Then he says, "You will rest and rise." How beautiful! Rest and rise to your assigned inheritance. That is awesome. I mean, that is that if that is not Pauline in in the idea of 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 those who fallen asleep, right? Uh, if that's not if that's not Pauline in the idea or Christ in the idea, why are you crying? She is sleeping, and they all laughed. And 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 he says, "Talitha kum, uh, little girl, get up," and she awakes. Um, or or even Lazarus, four days in the tomb, Lazarus, come out. Uh, you have the these such resurrection moments, um, that are so beautiful here, uh, even in the book pages of Daniel. And another reason. I mean, today I'm on a roll with doing commercials, okay? <laughs> Making contrast here in Bible translations, I was reading out of the ESV. Um, Will, you were reading out of the Evangelical Heritage Version today. Um, ESV translates that you shall rest, and you get that picture of, 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 of death and, and that, but it says, and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. Uh, you can translate it that. I mean, it, it said, but I like the flavor of the EHV translation, which brings out that resurrection imagery, um, that, that the entirety of the res resurrection imagery there in its translation. It's just, it's just when you can see it in the Hebrew, when you translate it, you can take away that beauty. And the EHV doesn't do that. It leaves, you have the beauty of the original there. Right. 
And and I like the beauty of the original. I think the beauty of the original is is very resurrection, very um this is life, right? This this is life. Our, our life is focused on Christ walking to the end, whenever the end will be. And and then we rest and then we rise. And that's okay. <laughs> And this is a truth that that the, the the most profound truth that I have taken, that I have learned in my study of the Book of Daniel. Um, I think it's reiterated here, and it's something that I'm trying to reiterate it as I'm teaching it now. After uh, you know, after going through this and and so forth. Um, but really, what it comes down to this, it's a matter about life, and we get so. I'm guilty of this. All of us are where we get, we get this drilled into our heads, well-meaning that life is about survival. And we define life as survival. Scripture never defines it that way. Life is always about what gives God the most glory. Right. Living for him. Really, living, life is living and, for him. And, and this is the biggest takeaway that I personally take out of Daniel, you don't have, no one else has to, but really that was an eye opener for me. As I look at what we could possibly be facing, it was a, it's a wonderful lesson for me to learn. This isn't about survival. This isn't about fight or flight. This is about what gives God the most glory. Well, and I, and I think you see that in, in the, really the idea that, and we've talked about this, that, the whole entire book of Daniel is transition and living vocation. Yes. Uh, because he, he transitions from his people's government to their downfall, to Babylonian government, to their downfall, to Persian government, and and now he's near the end of his life. And it and the entirety of the time is vocation, 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 vocation. How do you live as one called to be set apart? How do you live as one called in faith? How do you live as a Christian? Um, not in and not in what do I do to survive? What do I do to to fit in? But what do I do to live as one who is called? And how does that look? And, and I, that was my takeaway. Daniel Daniel is a beautiful book that that deals with 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 Christ for you and living living this in in the world around you and 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 being respectful in the matter in all the ups and downs of the government and the society in which you live but but living your faith and not backing away and backing down from it um and are there going to be people who will take offense absolutely are there's going are there going to be times when you when when you're going to think you're going to be thrown to the lions maybe um, and then maybe it'll be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, if our Lord decides to rescue us, he will. And if not, it's okay. Um, and if not, he still rescues us. Yes. With, with, the, with eternal life. Absolutely. Today, he'll be with me in paradise. Absolutely. And so the end, and so the end of the, the entire tale is, is one of hope and comfort that, that yeah, earthly life is going to be hard. It's not going to be easy or fun, but... Um, again, the, 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 sole purpose that God has for all of us is that he brings us to faith. I mean, that is desire. That's his, his desire. Um, and sometimes life is going to be really difficult as he is working faith and bringing us to repentance and, uh, giving us opportunity. Um, man, what a great takeaway. 
just kind of as a final note, I mentioned this in Bible study today. Despite the um, despite the beautiful West River independent mentality, life is not a matter of survival. No, it's what gives what gives God the most glory. Um, again, uh, that is that is the biggest take I took out of I've taken out of Daniel. Uh, it's been reinforced in our podcast, in my studies and preparation for us. I teach us in Bible class. And I want to thank uh, a cohort in Lutheran ministry for um, pushing me toward and pushing us towards this. Um, this isn't a commercial, but it's going to kind of be a little bit. That, I mean, it's in, a, in the official sense, it's not going to be a commercial because it comes from um, some counterparts in ministry that are not in our fellowship um, but a fine Lutheran pastor by the name of Mike Ziegler who heads the Lutheran Hour um, through the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. If our people are interested in learning and hearing more about Daniel on their archives there is a wonderful whole series of sermons that took place this last summer um, into the fall on the book of Daniel which are just impeccable. And with that, join us next week as we dive into another shorter book of the Bible before we prep for the book of Revelation.